What's going on, everybody? This is James Grandmaster Facts Voice, and I would like to welcome everybody here to the Facts Project. Today, my special guest, long overdue, is Gray Williams, awesome comic book creator and awesome person. Thank you for being here, sir. Hey, man. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's a pleasure, really. <laughs> Absolutely, man. So we've, we've actually had the opportunity to revolve ourselves around some of the same circles and everything, of course, and speaking about comics and everything. I have uh, had the curiosity of basically looking upon a storyline in which you were creating, which is, uh, which is with your We Are Make uh, level, um, comic book series, mm-hmm. John Henry Invictus. It, now, now, if you could tell us about that story real quick, uh, about, about that comic book series that you're developing. Yeah, um, so <laughs> it's weird because we're like we're we're in, a, we're in a weird place right now with uh, John Henry Invictus and another project that's coming out um, before John Henry Invictus. But on Invictus, really, what it really is is we, as a team, as a whole, mm-hmm. really love John Henry. And there's different entry points into the, you know, the interests of that character and how we all kind of discover that character. But essentially it boiled down to like, man, like this, this character really deserves more than what he's been given over the generations. You know, I remember in, in school, we had like Johnny Appleseed Day and all this stuff, but we never had like a John Henry anything. And it's like, this is like, the godfather of American myth and tall tales and legends. And why doesn't he have more prominence in American pop culture than he does now? And there, there have been several attempts in comics, animation, um, most recently the Netflix adaptation, which we're gonna leave that alone. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of it was, how do we take this myth- mythical figure and not just tell a story, but build a home for him to grow in, for him to take some root in. Um, Because he needed some infrastructure, he needed a foundation. You know, if you're gonna try to raise a character back up from the dead, he has to be around longer than a one shot, Mm -hmm. um, around longer than just a single movie. You have to kind of develop and grow the character and get him reacclimated with the world today. So Invictus is that story. It is in honor of John Henry's past, but also envisioning his future. So it's, it's, it's his old tall tale, folk tale world coming in with our make world and the two kind of fuse and they combine um, to create, rather accentuate the mythical figure that is John Henry. Mm-hmm. So, Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, no. Well, basically, from, from my perspective, uh, same as you, growing up in school, uh, reading Tall Tales and Legends, actually watching she- the old Shelley Duvall Tall Tales and Legends of John Henry. I remember Danny Glover having a depiction of John Henry. Yes. <laughs> but a lot of people that don't know the story storyline, you know, it, it revolves around um, a, a gentleman working at a steel mill. He he is the he's the person that physically is uh, putting spikes on the railroad. Sledgehammer mm-hmm. to nail until uh, corporations start to come around and sell in a mechanical steel drill. Mm-hmm. And they and they utilize this. Basically, John Henry sees it as competition. 
he's going to get driven off of his job or his way of life. Right. And it's almost man versus machine mm -hmm. in this in this battle uh, battle timeline to where uh, this competition ensues, man versus machine. And a lot of people, it's it's funny because there's a lot of storylines where they say, you know, John Henry was a real person. Mm -hmm. Like like there's there's stories that say, um, although he worked, uh, it, although maybe the storyline maybe from like West Virginia or something like that, that yes. the possibility that he was like born in New Jersey. And mm -hmm. needed some work and heard about the uh, Transcontinental Railroad and started to work on it. And they just saw him ha as a heavy, heavy, heavy uh, work ethic type of person mm -hmm. to the point where, you know, this exaggerated tale grew into this legend. Yes. And this is where this derived from. Yes, absolutely. And um, the magic in that seeing this, this, this powerful black man. I mean, this was, if I'll say this, if we knew we had a John Henry, we probably wouldn't go up for Thor so much, right? Because it's pretty much the same. Very true. It, the, the man is, he's a black man and, and this has this kindred relationship with a hammer, mm -hmm. right? He's, he's rarely seen without his hammer. That hammer symbolizes so much, like you said, man versus machine. And, uh, he, you know, just this man that was just standing up for the working class, like he was just, he was all about it. Like, you're not going to put all these people out on the street, including myself, in, in replaces with this machine. I'm going to show you the worth of a man. I'm going to show you the worth of people. Right. I'm going to challenge this steam drill. He challenged it and he beat it. The problem was he, when he won, his heart gave out from exhaustion and he died. Right. And it's like, what the hell? Like, how does that happen? So for me, and one of the interesting things about Make is that um, company is that we're, we're people from all walks of life. So we have an opportunity to share experiences. And my experience, you know, it was, was, was different for John Henry than it was the other guys. And I was coming at it like, I get tired of seeing black people having to be martyrs for a cause. It's very right? true. We shouldn't always have to die when we fight for something. Mm -hmm. And John Henry, for me, it's like he didn't have to die. Like it, that, that was just, it was an unnecessary death. So for me, it was like being able to take back that story and bring him back to life and continue his story. It meant so much to me. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm happy that we can that, that we we spent the time developing this story to bring him back to life. Really, <laughs> right, right. Long overdue, you know. <laughs> and, and and the thing is, you know, that's it, aside from it just being a tall tale and legend. Like it's a it's a it's almost like a it's a designation of American folklore. Mm -hmm. So it's a storyline. Generally, when I got out of those books, it was like uh, you had Paul Bunyan. Pecos Bill, mm -hmm. Johnny Appleseed, and John Henry. Mm -hmm. All of them pretty much were probably like lip service towards an exaggerated tale right. about their conquest in life. Like mm -hmm. Paul Bunyan may not have been a giant, but he might have just been a very, very tall, big man. Mm -hmm. Pecos Bill riding, riding a tornado more than likely was a guy that ran and saved somebody while the tornado was approaching probably like a town or something like that right. and came back and told the tale. 
Johnny Appleseed probably would be like a crazy person. <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying? They would probably see him as a crazy person walking around planting trees wherever he went, all over the United States, mm -hmm. which would sound crazy to a normal person. Yeah. But yeah, but but it, it's it's <laughs> cool because we've read those stories and it just makes the more obvious because it gets taught to kids. It makes a person seem larger than life, almost yes. like how you would see your mother or your father. You see mm -hmm. them as this large, ex large exaggeration of what other people see them as. Yes, and then yes. it's like drawn out as a, as a, as a book series, yeah. rather than being a comic book. But it's also comic told in a sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in, in exactly yeah. what you said said that larger than life, like it could be your mom or your dad. And prior to this, we were trying to just figure out how do we because we have multiple characters. We got like thirteen yes. characters. Mm -hmm. So how do we like make sense of this because? We had to, well, we had to stop. We said, okay, every character is essentially their own brand, their own IP. And IPs and brands cost resources, time, people, all those things. And we didn't have all that. So I was like, okay, we got to like full stop here and just center ourselves on one character. And John Henry has been around from the start since um, December 11th, December 13th, 2011 was when we was founded. So he's been around since the start. Mm -hmm. We're like, why don't we just focus on John Henry? Let's just like, like, let's let's lean into this mysticism, this fantasy, this folklore, mythology, all this stuff, and let's just focus on this. And like you said, that larger than life. What we found was, is that <laughs> most people are a folk tale or a tall tale within themselves. It's just the story hasn't been told yet. And the way that stories get told in culture is through folklore, is through folk tales and through tall tales. So when you're looking for the fantastical, for the mythical, for the super elements of society and culture, it's already here in these folk tales and folklore and such and such. So we decided to say, okay, what we're gonna do is build out what we're calling a mythical fantasy universe. And what it is, is taking the, the folk tales and the folklore and the mythologies from cultures all around the world. And we're seeing these cultures like other people aren't gonna be able to see these cultures and saying, okay, there's magic here. There's magic in your story. There's magic in your culture. We're gonna just, cause I mean, there's, there's, there's so many gods and, and myths and legends and fables that just, have been word of mouth, have just been orated mm -hmm. for generations, but haven't made it to the big screen for whatever reason, but are just as fantastical as your Thors and your Man of Steel and all the other stuff. They're all right there. Yeah. So what we're doing is taking the classics like John Henry and Paul Bunyan, remixing them, but also creating new legends and myths. Because mm -hmm. one thing about a folk tale or a tall tale is that they never die out. Those principles, those morals, those values, they keep getting recycled every generation, right? right? So that's kind of what we've been doing over the last decade, is <laughs> putting this world together. Um, so Invictus is like going to be the launch of all of this. Nice, man. It's, it's funny, because I remember, of course, maybe around like, uh just after the death of Superman, they introduced a character called uh, Steel. Mm -hmm. 
John Henry Irons. Yes. They gave him a sledgehammer. <laughs> And he, he didn't work at a steel mill, but mm-hmm. he, he was like a, he was pretty much a, um, working on the construction site. So he was, he was like a laborer yes. and, and they gave him like the, the overalls and everything. Mm-hmm. And pretty much the, the suit in which he built for himself, he, you know, he put it together with his own mm-hmm. bare hands as sort of like a, an after effect of the death of Superman. And I remember that actually being, being, uh, putting, put into effect, but, um, to get back on this. The way that I seen it through um, through the visuals and what you put out, possibly on social media and everything like that, is that it was sort of like a futuristic tale of of John Henry. Yes and no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yes and no. Um, now, of course, with you know uh, still existing. Uh, you got your Colossus from, from Marvel and things like that. So we had to make sure that our John Henry was visually different enough, especially from Steel, because it, it still is, is John Henry Irons. Yes. Um, so our John Henry is it's John Henry. He has, a, he has a, a, a different last name he uses, but we've just been going with John Henry just to go with that. Right. Um, so we had to make sure it was visually distinctive enough so to avoid any lawsuits and cease and desist and things like that. <laughs> right? So in doing that, we got the more... Now, it definitely, the, the visuals look futuristic, but that's all magic. Okay, gotcha. Yes. Uh-huh, yeah. So we, we really are mystical, magical, um, all things spellbinding in the make universe. Mm-hmm. So, so generally, like, is the origin skewed in a sense? So the origin is pretty much, now there are some liberties with the origin, but uh, what I did was I had the ballots next to my script. Ah. And I would sit there and read through the ballots and I said, okay, what, because again, not everybody knows the story of John Henry, especially like these, these, these new Gen Z, they're not really familiar with tall tales and things like that. So I had to take the ballads and see, okay, what parts of the ballads do I need to transition over to the story? Mm-hmm. How much of it do I keep and how much can I play up just a little bit more? Gotcha. Especially when it comes to, uh, for him and his relationship with his hammer. There's a, there, like I said, there's a very kindred relationship between him and his hammer. I wanted to play that. So there's, there's parts of it that I, I play up there's parts that I get, you know, honored and respected because that's just part of his origin. Right. Um, and then there's other parts where the make universe and all of its magic takes over for John Henry. So it's, uh, again, it's a respecting and honoring of his origin and his past, but also the, f- the future, which, you know, depends on that's when the make universe side of it kicks in. Now, do you believe that comic books are um, in relation to the universe in which you're building? Do you believe that they are pretty much our ways of telling mythologies on on our scale regionally in here in the United States? You're talking about existing comic books? All comic books. All comic books? I think um, in their own way, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think more of the indie stuff is going to be a lot more cultural than the mainstream stuff, of course, because people are creating from their own perspective and experiences uh, versus the more corporate driven stuff, which is all pretty much a one note 
type of experience. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you, you'll, you'll get more mythology, more cultural tales from indie than you will mainstream, for sure. It's true. Um, generally, what I, I, I've seen in a lot of comic books is that, you know, a lot of it pulls from just mythology in general whether it's the gods and goddesses that basically appear in DC comics, whether it's uh, characters that appear in the cosmic universe or anything like that, whether it's Marvel or DC. And generally when somebody is creating a character and they want them to have a specific power skill or anything like that, they're pulling that power skill from something basically not of this earth. Maybe it's something alien. Maybe it's something that was already read to them as a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a, a lot of kids, of course, get taught Greek and Roman mythologies when when they're in school and everything. So uh, there's been a lot of taking and pulling from those storylines in order to create the characters in which they feel as though played a part for them. Do, is it is it more of like, uh, it, do we see it as something that maybe would show as like a... Uh, this is this is this is how I want to make my character almost in my light uh, regarding in regarding to my culture or anything like that. If, if I'm pulling from like maybe like one Greek God or anything like that, or I'm pulling from like the African culture of a uh, like um, a Nancy or something like that. And then just like pulling those type of uh, those power scales into my character. When you when you build character development and most of the characters that you create, where are you pulling them from aside from like John Henry? So I think a lot of it comes from the story we're trying to tell with that character mm-hmm. um, and kind of just mapping out. Cause I mean, it's fun to say like, you know, okay, let's get this character super strength, but yep. why? Mm-hmm. What challenges is this character going to face with this power? Right. What challenges, what are they going to overcome? Um, what wins will they have? Like what, what, what are some I, I think for, for, for us and for me, we, we, we always tend to tie the powers to the character's story and what we want to accomplish with that character. Right. Um, so for, I mean, John Henry, yes, it was, it was, you know, of course the hammer, but for somebody like, uh, I don't know, um, trying to think of the character, uh, one of our characters, Solace, mm-hmm. um, who is a dis- disabled character, wheelchair bound, um, he's a therapist and as a therapist, he deals with a lot of emotions, right? Mm. And he's always navigating this world of emotions and trying to, uh, separate his from everybody else's and not get so overwhelmed and consumed with that world of therapy. So we thought to rather his creator decided to give him basis powers around some sort of empathic emotional spectrum mm-hmm. powers um, to where he can actually tell the story of a therapist and also help people manage their emotions through this character. Okay. Right? Yeah. So it's like kind of, we always kind of center like, okay, what do we want this character to be for people? Like, how do we want this character to help people as they're reading the story? And what powers would help accomplish that? Well, to piggyback off of what you just said, do you feel as though um, comics 
dive a little too deep into the oppression and trauma of a character rather than maybe like the optimism of it? Or does that not make a great story? That makes a great story. Um, I think with anything, it's just balance, right? Mm -hmm. How much of that trauma are you dipping into versus how much are you giving us a thrill? You know, uh, there's, there's, I think the, the, the brain functions two ways, survival and thriving. We're always doing that. So the balance between those two things with your care, because I mean, human, human nature is you're always, we're going to have ups and downs all the time, right? Nothing is ever always down and nothing is ever always up. And that's where you kind of find an imbalance between those two things. But if they're here and doing this and then sometimes you can you know you can do this and then stay there for a while but as long as you come back to this or mm. you can go here you know it's just it's it's the rhythm of life yeah. really that's what it is it, the, the obvious thing that i've seen is that um they've they've had the ability to create characters regardless of uh the i guess the economic scale in which they were born into you've had elitists like batman oliver mcqueen and danny rand Born, born as like uh, basically elite kids mm-hmm. who still have to do uh, go through some type of struggle in order to become the characters in which they are. And then you have characters like Black Lightning that basically grew up in Suicide Slum, a portion of Metropolis. Superman never comes to help. Right. <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> you know this, is, this is literally in Metropolis. Superman mm-hmm. never comes to help. He's, gr- he's grown up in extreme poverty to the point where... Um, He's actually jumped out of it to to be a to be a teacher and uh, to raise two two great daughters, and he pretty much protects his neighborhood, almost like mm-hmm. uh, if we wanted to get back to old school fashion, like Meteor Man for a sense. Yeah, he yeah. takes he takes care <laughs> of his neighborhood, you know. Right. Uh, but to see those um to see that time and time again, um it and notice that yeah it might be straining on the consumer be like, oh, okay, here goes the same type of uh, storyline again. Something epically horrible happens to a, a certain character or a certain team and they have to find and climb their way out to be exactly who they are. And then they persevere through that, through these little series of challenges that happen mm-hmm. on and on and on again. That, I guess you can call it a trope. <laughs> the black yeah. lightning protecting you know his neighborhood and things like that that's what happens when you get one flavor of something right mm-hmm. when you just when you you tokenize a character and you say okay when this black character put him in the hood just that and the other he's going to protect this space because mm-hmm. virgil hawkins static shock does the same thing exactly you know miles morales i mean he protects new york but yeah, kind of the same thing as well. It's funny we're bringing that up, and it's like, wait, all the black characters are just protecting the neighborhood, but all the white characters are protecting the entire city. Entire city, right? It's so it's weird in a sense. It's weird. <laughs> weird, but that's why you need more than one type of black character or Asian character, or whatever, so that you get nuance and texture because. You will have some black characters that be like, no, I'm just I'm protecting my hood. Like this is crazy right here. Yeah. But then you got some other black characters who be like, no, we gotta like protect everything. Why? Because black people are not a monolith and we have differences in opinions. That's true. Right. 
So you will get that Superman Black character and you will get that Black Lightning Black character, but it's important to have both so that some dialogue and some conversation can happen between those two characters. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of culture and being able to expose people to that because then you see we all don't think the same way. Mm-hmm. And while we all love our people, we love our people in different ways. This character may love them. I got to protect my people here. Right. The other people on the other side of the town, they're not my people. Why? Because they do X, Y, and Z. They look down on us. Mm-hmm. I think y'all too highbrow to be this black. You, you conversations like that. And then, and then you get that nuance, you get that texture, but you have to have more than one black character in the life. <laughs> look, look, it's it's going on now for many years to where basically some of the major teams that that are out there in mainstream comics just have one black character that basically is going to carry on the sequence and it seems like in some instances that they are the only black character mm-hmm. within the universe yeah yeah you no know, and it and he's almost like the oddball or mm-hmm. You know, he's only injecting uh, some sort of like weird dialogue to to the substance or to mm-hmm. the conversation. So necessarily, when you have basically two two characters that 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 have uh, that have strong personalities, that both experience trauma and struggle, like how is it existing to have dialogue between two characters within that story? I guess it. Well, I guess it, I guess it depends on the writer. Um, yeah, because even I mean, there, there's so many nuances to this. Uh, because you also got to make sure that that character doesn't speak for the totality of every other black character in that world, right? And that's something I don't think we've ever seen before, right? Exactly, because I they've think- always they've always pushed that envelope, like with like Batman and Superman, mm-hmm. one being an elitist human being doesn't really have any special type of powers, but sees Superman as a threat because of the things that he can do that Batman can't. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I know this guy can destroy the world if he wants to, so let me just write a contingency plans to pose against that. Right. To where two black characters, possibly even from like different regions or anything like that, both having a strong similar uh, power scale, when they do have, when they do have conversations, or when shit hits the fan, is there going to be commonality in that in that in that speech, or mm-hmm. is there going to be differences to it? You know, it, we know that everybody basically has different personalities. Some people have grown up totally different scales of of, of how they're living. I mean, right. shit. There's black Re- black Republicans and there's black Democrats. Yes, you know? absolutely. Yeah, you know what I'm saying so. So the the way that that you know some people have been brought up, it's it's generally the same conversation. Mm-hmm. over and over and over again it's just how they clash within the within the dialogue and how the story is being so, mm-hmm. being so mm-hmm. you know i feel like through mythology and seeing basically having a lot of characters that are on a human level and then you're having gods basically among us that a lot of people worship with within seeing their power scales almost in real life mm-hmm. you know that's kind of like the thing that like sets it above, you know, you have that, that, that Zeus tale and all the, all the, basically the humans below and the demigods mm-hmm. praising, you know, we have to make an offering to the gods and everything like that. You know, 
they're they're not necessarily seeing like the the power of that person. They're not seeing those people like face to face or anything like that. But they praise them every day. Right, right. Yeah, I'm not to say that that's a weird thing, mm-hmm. because we all basically like scale to you know praise to a higher power. But the thing is, like through through something that you actually see flying in the air doing things, that would scare you to the point where you you would feel. Hmm, Maybe I should step and step and tread on the right path here because I might get cursed one day and something might banish me. Right, right. And I, I think that's where the magic happens when you start pulling in not just other cultures, but people from that culture. Mm-hmm. Because the ethics of superheroism is going to change based on that culture. Now for in, you see some super black man flying around the sky. That almost sounds like brother man got to have a conversation with all the old folks in the neighborhood and let them know that everything's going to be okay. like knock. You still got to knock on the door and say, "Hey, Miss Johnson, I'm not here to tear up your street. I'm here to you know to, to watch right. you when you. I got to put you in the right place. Right, right. Like I feel like that that would still be a thing, and mm-hmm. I think that's. The exciting thing about diversity, inclusion, and representation in comics, not so much taking the color picker from your Photoshop and dragging the brown to this character and saying we got diversity. No, it goes a lot deeper than that. Mm -hmm. There's an opportunity, again, to kind of re-envision superheroes and their dynamics Mm -hmm. when you start bringing in different people in different cultures. Like at Make, we have this rule that every character is just a page in a book of culture. And that culture is a much larger story. You have to fill up the rest of the book. So you bring in different characters to add texture and nuance, support characters, villains, all other types of stuff. So you get the full range of the culture. I think Pose on Effects is probably the best example of this. which focuses on black and brown, predominantly transgender, but the whole LGBTQ spectrum. But what it does beautifully is that it allows nuance and texture. Like it it doesn't, it's not hitting you over the head with trans this, trans that. No, these are people going through life Mm -hmm. that so happen to be trans. And because of that, their experience is gonna be different than you and I. And it makes you empathize with these characters and it helps you build a better relationship with the characters because, okay, just from one of the episodes, they go to the beach. You and I going to the beach is completely different than trans women going to the beach. That's a completely different experience and we get to see that. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole point of diversity and inclusion and bringing in different mythologies and things like that is to see how other people experience life and to build empathy across culture Mm. across societies say okay we may have a similar experience everybody going to the beach however how you get there is different it's true right now now what what type of what type of comic storylines or storylines in general have caused you to create stories like this (laughs) i guess well you know what milestone um, Milestone Media, uh, Static, Icon, uh, those types of books. Just seeing that we could exist in that in this space like that. 
I think they, they were the first to kind of kick this whole thing off. Um, and I think the lack of seeing it also influenced True. this type of that type of writing and storytelling. You know, just just really wanting more out of the genre, really wanting to see some different takes and some the evolution of superheroes in in a different direction. And you're only going to get that if again you kind of step outside the box and pull in some different mythologies and cultures. It's true. The only way. It's true. And even in that diversity realm, uh, take take it for instance um, the the influx of LGBT characters that have not not necessarily flooded, but pretty much like here and there, they've been pinpointed in the Marvel universe. Take for instance now, like a lot of people are watching WandaVision, don't, don't even necessarily realize that one of the kids, Speed and Wiccan, Wiccan grows up to be a gay character in Marvel mm -hmm. Comics. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it in Inception, you know, a lot of people that don't necessarily read comics when that when that kid actually grows up, are they going to instill that personality, or are they going to basically like see something to where they'll make it finicky and cause something to change? Right, right. It's uh, I don't know. I I, I the the MCU and all those powers that be kind of navigating us through that world, they seem to be a lot more open to things like that in the comics, mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, I don't know why that is, but I don't know. I, I, I think they'll stay true to character when it comes to that. Sure. Um, many ways to do it, just as long as you do it and do it authentically, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I mean, when you're, when you're transferring mediums, I mean, I, I, I think I talked about it to a couple of people before, but when you're transferring your mediums from, from comics, into TV and movies um, in in that subset, they like to basically like flip characters and flip storylines because they don't want to make it predictable to the to the audience. Because a lot of people that generally read comic books mm -hmm. will be the first people to pick something out yes. immediately. Yes. So I get that part, mm -hmm. but um, which which is something that I see when indie comics are made you're not going to be able to see like the inertia of exactly what's going to happen. Everything is going to be a surprise to you. Yeah. Main, mainstream characters have been retconned and retconned and retconned. You're telling the same story with the same characters, mm -hmm. in a totally different fashion. And then we're just starting, starting from square one again. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's yeah. like, how, how many, how many times is the Phoenix going to pop in town? Like, Hey y'all, what's up? Like, <laughs> how many times y'all going to do this? Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 and I mean, I, I don't know how many times I've I've had to see Uncle Ben get shot. Come oh on, like, like like that man. That man has been going through it for years. Yes, yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ, gotta give him. Uh, we, you know what? They ought to have an Uncle Ben day for that man <laughs> going through as much trauma as he has. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. But but in in this type of fashion, I feel as though. With indie comics in general, uh, you tend to see a lot of storylines and a lot of genres that you don't specifically see, which is why I thought that your your storylines, uh, what you were talking about with Solace being uh, being a disabled character, with John Henry being being told from a folktale, you're not going to get that from Marvel and DC. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to get you know something that you would totally it would totally be unexpected. You're going to get sci-fi. 
you're going to get hard. You're going to get a lot more magic than you would see in, in a regular a regular Marvel and DC comic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the tales of certain beings, I mean, shoot, I've seen people create characters that necessarily on paper don't make sense, but the storyline is amazing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I always feel like when you're pulling from you know, like uh, historical mythologies and everything like that and, and instilling them in the books and building this world of fantasy amongst the reader, it just looks like an entirely dope concept that's just like made out of like some out of beauty in a sense, <laughs> you know, Be- because like you're instilling your culture into it. Mm-hmm. If it's an Asian character, it's an Asian character. If it's a black character, it's a black character. If it's a if it's a Latinx or Latino character, it's that. And then you're taking the subsets of uh of mythology, instilling them in them, and then you're looking at something like we talked about earlier, larger than life, mm-hmm. that you wouldn't necessarily see amongst yourself on the screen, right? Which then would cause you to be like, "Wow, I I never knew a world like this could exist." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's why I feel, I feel like the the John Henry story is just just as important as the origin of of Batman. If not, John Henry has been around for God knows how long. Long ass time. Yep. Like, like <laughs> I, I, that's what that's what I keep saying. Like I'm pretty sure that when people talk about tall tales, legends, and mythologies, it's pretty much word of mouth. Somebody's mm-hmm. telling you a story that they saw with their own two eyes yes. that was just so amazing to them that they exaggerated the story to be damned. <laughs> you know, like like this dude was as fast as lightning. You should have saw him. Like, and and, and then go. all of a sudden be like, that that story gets told to one person, it gets carried on to somebody. Somebody actually took that notation in their mm-hmm. head and wrote everything down. Right. right. With all the adjectives, yeah. all the exaggeration, and was like, oh shit. They're like this is amazing. Wait till I put this out there for everybody, and then boom, there we go. That's your, that's your that's your origin of comic books. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. where you're seeing somebody that's fast as lightning. You're seeing somebody that's like stronger than you've ever seen them before. To right. where like you're going into almost uh, describing circus style as they would call them back in the day. They called them freaks. Mm-hmm. You know, but what the people saw with their own two eyes and how they probably discussed it to the people that didn't show up that day made it look 10 times bigger than what they saw. Right, right, right. I mean, cause what the stories do, they entertain us, mm-hmm. right? They teach us how to, again, thrive and survive. And in, in a moment of survival, maybe you need a story about somebody really thriving. So you play it up. To help people take their minds off this situation. You, I mean, we don't know what happened. Like the first time that John Henry story got told, how they told it. We just know that it's lasted this long up until 2021. So now it's like, okay, how do we keep this train going? How do we, how do we still kind of, how do we put John Henry back on the railroad mm-hmm. and keep him moving, right? And um, Invictus is definitely going to, open that door so and I I was laughing earlier because uh so what happened was with that story the artist we couldn't reach him for like two weeks and it was like okay what is happening but prior to that it was excuse after excuse like 
the house was always on fire. The internet was always down. <laughs> Somebody was always dead. It's like, okay, what is going on? And after that two weeks, I, I told the team, I said, y'all, can't do it no more. Cause now I don't know when this book is going to come out. Okay. So I'd rather shut them down and terminate the contract. And we're just unfortunately going to have to start all over again because God knows when that book, I mean, we were, we, we started in February right? and by September, October, we still weren't even halfway through the first act, which was like the first 25, 26 pages. Mm. Now, now the story's already written out, though. Yeah, the story's already written out. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Probably, We're probably, in. like multiple series have already been written out for strictly for this storyline. Yeah, so it's going to be in three chapters, um, mm -hmm. just to break it up, so we can get the first chapter out there, give it to the people. You know, y'all get it, enjoy it, and then we'll, you know, next chapter. I actually started working on. Um, I've been working on the second chapter. It's just some new ideas hit. Uh, we do this thing every couple of weeks. We take a break. We call it sabbatical week so we can rest and recharge and get some clarity back in our heads. So once we're on that week right now, so now it's like my mind is just exploding with all types of stories. So I was able to, you know, drop some stuff down. But um, yeah, Invictus chapter one is done. We just got to get it, you know, redrawn. But uh, in, the, in the interim, we were like, okay, so what do we put out? It's like, it's, it, because we really wanted to put out something. This is our 10th year. Mm -hmm. Okay, we got to put something out. So uh, we did another story last year, another book last year um, that we just kind of, it's, 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 we call it a graphic novel memoir. Mm. So we put out two books of John Henry prior to Invictus. The first one was called John Henry, The Passing. And the second one was called John Henry, A Tale of Iron Magic. And both of these books serve the purpose of trying to launch this universe. We didn't know it at the time, but these were just rough drafts. They were, right. they, they were created to teach us something. So once we put them out, we got good feedback, good reviews. But we were like, you know what? This is, this is still not quite right. So between those, before those two comics and after those two comics, we have a lot of story on just the emphasis of what was the drive behind putting this world together. And it was to build this world around John Henry, but build it in such a way that invited rest, the rest of the folk tales and folk, folklore and cultures into the universe as well. So we call it John Henry, Rebirth of a, Le of, of a Legend. And it's the story, um, trials, the triumphs, the journey, the process um, of us putting this universe together over the last decade. Mm. And what we've kind of just done um, over the last 10 years to really put it together and get it to this, to, to get it to Invictus. As Invictus is going to be the, the jumping off point for all this. So inside of it, um, we, got, we got character concepts from like spanning the last several years and the decisions that went into a lot of these different characters. Um, what kind of went right with the comics that we did and what mm -hmm. went wrong uh, with the comics that we did and what kind of like where we're kind of going so that that'll be out that kickstarter is going up in april oh okay um, yeah so we'll have some uh, that, i mean that that's a book that's finished too i mean it's, it literally got finished around september october of last year so mm -hmm. we were like what do we do with this and now we know um, so you'll start seeing promo for that like in a couple of days possibly nice yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Now, you got some some great creators over at We Are Mate. Yes. Could, could, could let us know? Yeah. So uh, first and foremost, we can start with uh, art director, who is Tim Wozni. Mm-hmm. Um, so story here, um, I've known a lot of these guys for like over 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I met Tim when I was in high school. For I met him on a pre-beta forum for an MMORPG called City of Heroes. Mm. And um, I was in high school and he was in high school. And we've just known each other since then. He was always just a really dope artist to me. And um, we also, we met back up with uh, DC Universe Online, that's another game. And that's where I met uh, Brent Lyles and Spencer Boletari. We were all on the same guild called the Peacekeepers. Mm. And um, from the Peacekeepers, we ended up not liking DC Universe Online. It was like, eh, it's kind of trash. So we were like, we don't want to throw out everything that we've done. So why don't we try to make a comment? Right. And um, I tried to do that with like eight people and it was just a disaster. It was just like knives and swords and we were fighting every day. And I was like, okay, this is not going to work. So I had brought a couple people over with me. We created Arclight, um, what was known as Arclight Comics. And then that developed and then two of the founders fell off. And then we went through a couple more iterations of the team. And then now we got to, um, you know, Tim Wozni, uh, Brent Lyles, Spencer Boletari. And um, we've also had over the years had some other artists, um, Jarmel and Jamal Williams, uh, mm. Stephanie Williams, yes. uh, Living Heroes, got mm. ready to do the Marvel stuff, uh, Valerie Complex, and a guy by the name of Brian uh, Hagen Miller. So yeah, man, it's, it's been um, an, an incredible experience because of the team. And the team is just brimming with all these ideas and these characters and these stories. And I mean, I just, honestly, I wish we had the capital. I wish we just had 200 mil sitting in the bank so we can get all this stuff out. That's true. Um, and it probably wouldn't have taken this long to you know, get everything out. But I'm not gonna complain because what we have now is incredible compared to what we did have 10 years ago. I feel like the story is is needed um, that a lot of people that may have perceived the character in some sort of fashion need to see it in this sort of light uh, sort of light it's not necessarily retconning it it's showing people exactly what the character portrays mm. in this 20th century setting mm-hmm. that's the that, that's the way that I see it um now now basically with uh with what is basically happened with the pandemic in 2020 and seeing the the evolution of indie comics um all basically compiled into last year mm. how did how did that how did that look to you you know i I think indie is going to be no I know indie is going to be all right Mm-hmm. Um, indie is the future of every industry. Yeah. Not just comics. Because what we're starting to see is the recycling of stories and ideas. We're no longer into it. Mm-hmm. Every time they come out with something, a, a reboot, we're like, man, it's like y'all couldn't think of anything else. Like nobody asked for this. Like, could you can can you come up with something just a little different? I think that's why Netflix is is also here to stay. Um, yeah. Disney Plus is incredible, but Disney Plus 
is recycling a lot of the old content. Yeah. A lot of the old content. Now, the thing that's keeping it alive and well, if you ask me, is the Marvel and the Star Wars stuff. Also Pixar. Yeah. But mostly the Marvel and the Star Wars stuff. There's um, to the franchise stuff. Yes. Yes. The franchise. Yeah. I mean, that's what's that's really hitting it off. DC is struggling a lot. Um, yeah, they've been going through the ringer lately, man. Yeah, they've been, they, oh, gee, you got to pray for them. Yeah. Um, DC. <laughs> so I, they're, they're, they're going through a very hard, what do we do with this content phase? Um, I, I mean, the Justice League recut by Zack Snyder is not the move. Um, they have so many characters in their stable, but I don't want to spend on time. Back to your yeah. question. Um, but yeah, Envy is the renaissance of ideas and stories not yet told at a public scale, like we're seeing with the MCU and things like that. True. So everything is new. Everything is fresh. Everything is, oh, what is this? Where is this going? Because like you said earlier, we haven't seen it. It's not as predictable. And even though story formulas get recycled, they don't get recycled the way that the indies are, are doing it because it's a new take on it. It's a new perspective. You can do things differently. It's like with uh, Jordan um, Jordan Peele mm -hmm. with the horror genre. Mm -hmm. It's like, what is this? I've never seen horror look like this. And I'm seeing a lot of that. So indie truly is the future these industries um and i think they know that <laughs> I, I believe that as well i've yeah. seen a lot of people um a lot of a lot of companies have been have had the opportunity to put out kickstarters with uh with you know extremely interesting storylines mm -hmm. had no idea that something like this could even be thought of yeah and then you come to find out when you're actually like talking to a lot of these people is that this is something that's been delving in their mind for about like 10 to 15 years mm. and they just had to put it on paper at some point in time in their lives and what they don't necessarily necessarily see it with a lot of indie creators is that these are the hustlers of the comic world when yeah. you go to comic cons like i always say dc and marvel are multimedia companies they don't even sell comics at comic cons right rarely i mean yeah. you see the gentlemen the, the people over there with the collectibles and everything like that mm -hmm. But they specifically, their companies are not there to sell comics. Right. When you go to Artist Alley and you basically get over there with a lot of those indie creators that are putting out, you know, like time and time again, these 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 interesting builds of universe, and they're out there in front of the customer, face to face, shaking hands, kissing baby, mm -hmm. being the politician that they have to be. They they're seeing families that they saw last year at the same mm -hmm. Comic-Con. Now the family's got like a kid and they're introducing the kid to them and everything like that. This is something that you don't necessarily see out of the mainstream comic uh, companies. You're seeing basically a, a following mm -hmm. that's more organic mm -hmm. because they know the creator. Mm -hmm. And they know, uh, they know the style of story in which they which they're building because they're talking to them about it firsthand. Right. And even with, even if they interject with an opinion, you know, the creator can then just like basically talk on top of that and let yeah. them know how the story just is swayed in order for you to make a purchase. Mm -hmm. 
and that's the coolest shit possible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I it, it's it's the thing that draw me to it. I remember I tell everybody that I went to New York Comic Con in 2017 and mm. just walking around and you know, pick, picking up picking up comic books here and there from a lot of indie creators and and mm. and the fact that you know, I'm sitting there looking at a book and then somebody approaches me and comes over to the other side of the desk and um, tells me about the story before I even flip a page hmm. in order for me to actually like get drawn into the world a little bit better. Sometimes hearing that vocal sale is a little bit better than you actually like skimming through it. Mm -hmm. you, know, you can look at the cover photo. That'll, that'll, that'll pique your interest. Right. Right. But necessarily, you know, that person coming up to you and making the pitch of how the comic is made is that's, and you see, it looks like the stock exchange <laughs> amongst the floor, straight good up. Good analogy, uh, yes. Yo, uh -huh. It looks like, it looks just like the New York Stock Exchange. Like everybody is at their booths, like got mad people in front of them. And it, it, it looks like ca organized chaos. Yes, yep, they do. Yo, but you know, <laughs> everybody just sitting there with their pitch and, even sometimes the creators, if one got to go to the bathroom, one come back, be like, yo, hold it down for me real quick. Bro. Right, right. Headline is this, 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 and this. Just tell them that. This is, that's my pitch words right there. And I'm go, come back. Y'all all help each other. Yeah. That's another yeah. good thing because there's mm -hmm. always the peak of collaboration that happens within that community. They mm -hmm. know the struggle that you guys are going through because that person right next to you in that booth is doing the exact same thing. Right. You know, right. And, 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 you know, peaks and peaks and valleys, just peaks as like we, just like we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. They understand that literally the story of an independent comic book creator is the story of a superhero. Yes, <laughs> yes. Just what you said, exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If somebody wanted to pick out the origin story of an independent comic book creator, you would see the origin story of somebody that has been struggling to get yes. a story out of their head. Yeah. Put it on paper to get everything funded, to put it in a book, mm -hmm. to get it in the customer's hands. But then I got to pitch it to the customer so that that person will understand it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It just that, you know, that whole, that whole dichotomy between mainstream media and indie. Yeah. It's here and here. But mm -hmm. the thing is, you're going to find beauty in both of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Man, that was that was beautiful. And like you said, um, the story of the creator is a story within itself. And that's why we're putting out John Henry Rebirth of a Legend, because it, it tells that story, because this is not easy. Yeah. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to shut down make after a week or a day of just everything just piling up over and over and over. You spend more money than what's coming in. It's like, oh, I've had enough. I'm done. Yeah. I can't do it anymore. Um, like those types of days. But then waking up and being like, okay, we'll give this one more try. Yeah. One more shot. Right. I mean, even after the thing with the artist on the original Invictus, it was like, one more thing, like it just if, if we can just not go through one more thing and just get this out, mm -hmm. I would be greatly appreciative of that. 
But it was like, man, so I had to tell the team that crushed the team. I'm like, man, I, I was so sorry, y'all. This is the last try. <laughs> like this, we we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do it, and we're gonna do it in excellence to the best of our ability. But it, like you said, peaks and valleys of the creation of the journey of just getting it out there. And every creator has his or her story. Um, so I'm really excited to be able to share ours because I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be a book for, you know, comic book lovers because the full comics will also be in that book. Right. And that's to be the first time that they'll be in print, but it'll also be for other just creators who are just starting out and um, just want to know what the journey is like. And maybe, you know, they'll, they'll be able to learn um, from some of our lessons and mistakes and, and avoid those on themselves. And it's also for people who just enjoy the process and journey of creation. Right. Just yeah. want to get behind the scenes and see how the sausage gets made. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what this book is going to do before we, you know, go ahead and put out Invictus. Because Invictus, we're still vetting artists and getting the artist team and things like that together um, so we can we can get it out. Yeah. And I, I sir, I believe that you picked the perfect storyline because the story of John Henry is basically the story of a hardworking human being whether you choose to put put it up against the the metaphor of corporation mm -hmm. whether you want to put it up against the metaphor of somebody that they that they think can't um that is going to outwork them or whether it's put up against the metaphor of basically saying that i'm put up against like the greatest obstacle possible and i have to beat it whether mm -hmm. it, whether or not if it kills me yes <laughs> Whether or not if it kills me. Exactly. Exactly. Just that that iron will, that uh, that spirit of just persistence and, and resisting everything that gets thrown at you. Because there's obstacles or that that obstacles are always forthcoming. They're always gonna come. Um pitfalls, downfalls, all that stuff. Definitely. Like John, you gotta pick up your hammer and just keep on going because you got something to build and you got a lot of people rooting for you yes absolutely yep beautiful <laughs> great i appreciate you doing this sir oh man thank you for having me this was fun this actually gave me some good energy on my sunday night <laughs> absolutely i'm happy to do it brother all right man so facts project we out <laughs>